I'm Pastor Daniel Morris, and you're listening to Sharing the Bread of Life, a podcast by St. Timothy's Lutheran Church in Skokie, Illinois. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular subscriber, I pray that Christ feeds you from the stories and testimony you'll hear today. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. May the Lord fill you with every good thing, and may you have enough left over to share. The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Jesus' life and ministry raised many questions. Behind them all are two questions. By what authority are you doing these things? And who is it that gave you this authority? In other words, when Jesus picks grain on the Sabbath and heals on the Sabbath, is it God or is it the devil in him? When Jesus forgives the sin of the woman who bathes his feet in tears, is it God or Or is it the devil in him? When Jesus casts out demons, when he ignores religious custom and doesn't wash his hands before dinner, when he insults his scripturally learned hosts, drives the money changers from the temple and undermines the authority of the temple teachers, is it God or is it the devil in him? The leadership in Jerusalem at the time unequivocally and unapologetically decided that it was the devil. So they followed the law according to Moses and purged the evil from their midst by having Jesus put to death. I suspect this is why the story of Jesus' temptation in the wilderness is included in three of the four Gospels that we have. 
it boldly demonstrates that Jesus was so full of the Holy Spirit after his baptism that the devil was unable to enter him. The Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness, which was a traditional place of testing for the people of Israel. After more than a month without food, he was famished, possibly even emaciated. This was the best time for the devil to try to establish his dominion over Jesus. Alone and nearly starved to death, Jesus should have been an easy target. The devil began with something he knew Jesus wanted more than anything in the world. A loaf of bread. He ordered Jesus to turn a nearby stone into a loaf of bread, but Jesus refused. So the devil tried to make Jesus feel completely alone and isolated by claiming that the rest of the world was already under the devil's dominion. He commanded Jesus to join the fold and worship him in exchange for a seat of power at the devil's right hand. But Jesus would not cooperate. The devil made one last attempt. But now... He would focus on Jesus' confidence in his heavenly Father. He commanded Jesus to demonstrate his trust in the Lord by jumping from the highest point of the temple. For as the psalmist says, the angels will deliver any who trust the Lord from destruction. Jesus refused, and the devil disappeared until Jesus' final days when he would enter Judas. I've heard many interpreters treat this story as a blueprint for dealing with temptation. They point to Jesus' use of scripture in fighting the devil and suppose that we can ride out the storms of temptation by remaining anchored in the laws of God. They call God's word a sword, supposing that it can be used to launch counterattacks against the devil and keep temptation at bay. Yet they are forgetting that Jesus' adversaries were never those who were ignorant of Scripture. Jesus' adversaries were the legal experts, the Pharisees, and the lawyers. They were the strict enforcers of the holiness code, whose vision of life in God's presence cut off many sinful and perpetually unclean people. If we use the scriptures as a weapon against the devil, we may unintentionally find ourselves turning the sword on the very people that Jesus died to save. We have discovered over the years that we can use scriptures to justify just about everything. Slavery, anti-Semitism, condemnation of the LGBTQ community, and many more. For any church that takes the written word seriously must also take seriously the ways that we have used the word to try and identify the devil among us. We must take seriously the ways that the written word has been wielded as a weapon, wounding and cutting people off in the name of Jesus. Jesus' response to the devil deserves a second look. 
He did more than simply quote verses and laws. He recalled his father's faithfulness to the people of Israel from their birth as a nation. After they left Egypt, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. God allowed them to hunger as they wandered, and God fed them manna so that they would know one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Deuteronomy 8.3 This prepared God's people for life in the good land, the land of abundance, which God was giving them. Even so, they questioned God's presence and intentions toward them many times during their wilderness wanderings. One of the most memorable was at Massa, where they were convinced that God brought them out of Egypt so that they might die of thirst in the desert. Moses, at God's command, struck a rock which bubbled with water. And God once more proved God's faithfulness. And Moses warned the people, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Deuteronomy 6.16 God knew after they entered the land that they would be tempted to give credit for their salvation to their neighbor's gods. So Moses commanded, The Lord your God you shall fear. Him alone you shall serve. Deuteronomy 8.13 Jesus recalled each of these stories during his own temptation in the desert. He remembered his father's faithfulness to the people of Israel, his own people. And this remembering helped him stand firmly against the devil's attacks. Full of the Holy Spirit, Jesus meditated on God's many and wonderful deeds of salvation until the devil left his presence. Salvation comes from God alone. And it is our job to proclaim God's amazing deeds to all who are under attack. Our job is to proclaim God's amazing, saving deeds to those who have been wounded and cut off in Jesus' name. Salvation is not dependent on personal holiness and worthiness. It is completely dependent on God's repeated act of salvation for the people of Israel. It is completely dependent on God's act of salvation for us and for the world through Jesus Christ. This is good news to all who struggle under the weight of holiness codes and all who are mocked by the devil for the weakness of their flesh. As the psalmist proclaims, the Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Salvation is ours through Jesus Christ. And this truth stands firmly against the devil's attacks. So let us encourage one another in this truth. Let us live out of this truth wherever we may go. We belong to Christ, who shares our flesh. We are in the care of the one who repelled the devil in the desert. 
Generations have testified to God's goodness and salvation, and God will not abandon us now. This good news is the song of our hearts. It is the speech on our lips. It is our bread in the desert. It is the power of God for salvation. It may be that one day someone will see our freedom in Christ and ask us, by what authority are you doing these things, and who is it that gave you this authority? On that day, we will have an answer. The authority is God's alone, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. God has been abundantly good to us through him, giving us every good gift. Through Christ alone, God has delivered us from slavery to sin and death and into freedom and abundant life. Then, full of the Holy Spirit, we shall leave whatever wasteland we wander and walk in newness of life. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Sharing the Bread of Life. For more information on the mission and ministries of St. Timothy's Lutheran Church, please visit our website at www.stTimothyskokie.org or like us on Facebook. Check back next week for a new episode. The blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and always.